Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Well, as I'm, I imagine you know, tomorrow is the anniversary of the election of the Prelate of Opus Dei, Monsieur Fernando Ocaris. As you perhaps recall, he was here in 2018, the year the, the Raptors won. And uh, it was uh, an occasion of great pride for us to have him, and he also went to the States. We all remember that uh, great moment when he was here. And uh, it was only, uh, it's only been four years, I believe it is, then, that he was elected as, um, as prelate of Opus Dei. Uh, meaning that he was elected, he was chosen from among uh, his confreres in a simple ceremony, and now he is at the head of Opus Dei, and uh, it was a simple, yeah, a simple choice, uh, um, and it wasn't a big ceremony or anything. No, and and of course, what is um, uh, a reason for you could say rejoicing today? is that um, he became the Prelate of Opus Dei, but it wasn't a big, sudden change in direction. Uh, there was true uh, unity and there was continuity in, in his um, leadership of uh, Opus Dei, uh, this little part of the church, this little institution in the church was Opus Dei. Uh, perhaps there are some changes uh, that are perhaps more than anything uh, cosmetic or simply changes that are changes with the times and with the desires of, uh, of the Pope but essentially uh, there is uh, there's a beautiful continuity with uh, the spirit that God gave our founder Saint Josemaria and his uh, his successors and uh, the new prelate doesn't go and simply reverse completely reverse the uh, all the uh, the policies and all the decisions of his predecessors, as we see happens in in the world, when a new ele election takes place, uh, the new guy just says, "Okay, I'm just going to do it all according to how I see." And there's no continuity, as though everything uh, that the former person did uh, has of no value and must be completely changed. The, the fact that we that we live in a society where that is considered normal. Uh, and that uh, that we live in such an op, you know opposing vision of of society uh, is is part of what leads us to well this disunity and uh, this um, sort of sense of fragility because there's uh, such a so many different visions in this case in politics but of course even uh, it's the case in the church. And it happens that right now we are in the middle of the of the octave of prayer, or week, or an octave of prayer for uh, Christian unity. 
which started on the 18th of January and will end on January uh, 25th, which is the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul. Because, because Jesus prayed for the unity among his apostles. And in some ways you could say he, he prayed for the unity among the members of Opus Dei because we are, well, we are in that same, very same church. And um, interestingly, Pope Francis said on Wednesday that the Lord did not command that his disciples be united. No, he prayed. He prayed to the Father for us, he said, so that we might be one. This means, the Pope said, that we are not able to achieve unity with our own strength. With our own strength. As our Lord said, you know, keep them united, that they may be one as you and I, Father, are one. Referring to the, the unity that is in the Blessed Trinity, there is a diversity of persons, there are three persons in the Blessed Trinity, but there is, a, of course, a, the beautiful unity of uh, the Godhead there. And so Pope Francis underlined the fact that unity in the Church, unity among all the churches, whether they are the Protestant churches were together with the Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church and for that matter, all the Christian communities, that, that we arrive at a unity is a gift. And it is a gift that we uh, much must request through prayer. And each one of us really deeply needs this gift. And we know that we are not able or not capable of preserving unity, even within ourselves, even within ourselves. Uh, uh, even... Even St. Paul, this is what Pope Francis mentions, felt the painful conflict within himself. Sometimes he wanted to do good. He had dreams of doing great things that he saw the apostles do and to teach the great, beautiful teaching, but he also had inclinations, inclinations to evil. Or he was inclined towards evil. Like his body was saying, no, 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 do this, do this. And his spirit was saying, no, no, this is the good. And that division within man himself, which St. Paul grasped, is at the root of the divisions that lie among us, whether it's in politics, whether it's in families, whether it's in society, between nations, and, uh, well, even among believers. There is... There is this, well, lack of unity in this division. And it ultimately comes down to the fact that we ourselves are not fully united. We don't fully want what God wants for us. We kind of do, but we don't. We sort of do sometimes, and then we say, no. And that sort of division that we have within us that desire sometimes to do the good, but at the same time desire to sin and not do the good because it seems appealing and more appealing, at least in the immediate sense. Well, that, that comes from sin. That's the, the division that we have within us that comes from sin. And ultimately, the true remedy begins by asking God for peace, for asking God, by asking God for reconciliation, for unity. And these are things that only really God can give us. So we ask for it now, 
as we do our prayer here with our Lord, that we really be able to receive this gift. Maybe we can find some way of praying with other Christians, listening to them, whether they are Protestants, whether they are Orthodox, or any other Christians. Or do I ask ourselves that? Do I ever pray for unity in my own family? Unity in my own family. Maybe I see uh, divisions or maybe arguments uh, among my siblings or, or uh, you know, with the wider family, with the relatives. Don't ever pray for that. Lord, bring unity to my whole family. And part of that leads to an ability to to have uh, good conversations, to talk. Or do I ever pray for unity in the church? It's, it's, a, it's always very bad when there are trends going this way, trends going that way, and, and whenever it happens that a person can't know what the Catholic Church teaches because there are those who say this and those who say that. And then people are left kind of wondering. That's why uh, when Pope John Paul II published the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and then later on Pope Benedict published the the Compendium of the Catechism, which was basically the Catechism, but just summarized in a, in a you know easier, more accessible way. Those are those were like there you have the Catechism. That that's what the Church teaches, and they were profound um, vehicles to greater unity. So do I pray for unity in the family? Do I pray for unity in the church? Do I pray for unity in my country, in our country? And do I realize that it is part of my duty as well? Do I pray for that? And, um, well, last year, on the occasion of the anniversary of the election of the prelate, Monsignor Ocaris, the father, we call him father because he is at the head of this family. Opus Dei is like a family, and we call him father. And that's what we call him. We don't call him, we don't say the prelate, the prelate, the prelate. Yeah, he's the prelate, but that's true. That's what he is. But we call him father because it's a sign, obviously it's a sign of affection, but it reflects more deeply what Opus Dei is. It is a prelate, of course, but that's just a juridical thing. Not that it's not important, but it's important, but, but we resonate more with the figure of Father. And he said last year in a homily, he said, may we really rely more on you, Lord, and less on our own strength. And when we experience our own weakness, help us to be happy knowing that you have chosen us with this weakness. Because you love us. Because you love us. And uh, that fits very well with today's uh, gospel um, in which we, we have an account precisely of how Jesus chose the apostles. It's the beautiful account from the St. Mark. Today, in the second Sunday, excuse me, in the second week of Ordinary Time, Friday, uh, from St. Mark, chapter 3, we are told that Jesus went up the mountain and summoned those whom he wanted 
And they came to him. So he summoned, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you. So 12 guys. And they came to him. And he's now on a mountain. It's a beautiful scene. He's on a mountain. They're kind of like away from the ground. He summons them. They come to him. And then it says, he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, that they might be with him and might, and that he might send them forth to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Of course, what demons love to do is divide. Divide. Divide people, families, the father against the mother, uh, the sisters against the brothers, uh, you know, like the orcs in the Lord of the Rings. You know, they're always, uh, they're so creepy looking, but uh, they're always fighting each other, right? So they're, they're pretty easy to, to fight in the end, you know. They're, they're ugly and massive and vicious, but you just get them to fight each other and that's it. They're done, right? Because they're so lacking in unity. And... Um, and he pointed the twelve, and then it name, he names him Simon, whom he named Peter, James, son of Zebedee, John, the brother of James, whom he named Boanerges, that is, the sons of Thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, etc. He names all these, all these apostles. So he chose them, and then he, he could say he gave them abilities. And when you, when you, you play a game like soccer or volleyball or lacrosse or or field hockey or something, usually you make your own team and you choose the best players. You, know, you have all your friends there and you say, okay, I'm gonna, I, want, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you. And you choose the, the ones that are best. You know, That's what I would do. I would choose the, the best people that I see on the field. right? Uh, but Jesus doesn't do that. He just chooses those he wants. And then only after choosing them does he give them the qualities to score goals, basically, right? to, to win. And what's beautiful is that later on, he involved also um, 72, 72 disciples. So he's got, the, he's got the 12, and then later on, it's recounted in St. Luke, he chose, or he sent out 72 in pairs. Um, I don't know if that means that uh, each apostle was in charge of uh, six men or something like that, you know, so... But, 12 times 6 is more or less 72. So, but, uh, uh, but he had them fired up and um, some of those people that he sent out, some of those dis disciples might have, uh, they were not apostles, but they might have been healed by him. Um, these were people that listened to him and maybe there were thousands more. And um, he tells them to go out without provisions, under great dangers. He even says, don't greet anyone on the way. Don't greet anyone. It sounds like rather odd not to greet anyone. Well, I think it was just to underscore the urgency of the moment. You know, don't, you know, don't, don't dawdle on the way. Go and do your mission, right? Uh, which is uh, a mission of peace, right? And um, don't greet anyone. And then he says, but... When you arrive in a home, you must say, Peace be with you. Peace to this household. But this is not just a vague desire he's telling them. Right? It's not a peace sign. He's saying, hey, peace, peace, everybody. It's like the hippies. You know. He says, if a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest on him. 
If not, it will return to you. Peace be to this household. So imagine if you went to a, a house and your very presence, your words, your gaze, left people at, at peace. Just left them serene. And there are people like that. They, well, wherever they go, they leave a mark of peace. Other people leave everybody agitated. You know, they like they stress you out. You know, there's some people that just like freak you out, right? They, they, they rile people up, right? They, they say, you know what I saw on the news today? I saw this and that, and they, they, they get you agitated. But it is really a beautiful thing to be graced with somebody who is like like a woman of peace, and so they can. They leave something where they go. It kind of that peace propagates itself to others, like like transmission lines, like like those telephone poles along the side of the road. They transmit the electricity, right? This powerful energy that is that is uh, transmitted to distant places through the woods. I think that's what the saints did. The saints transmitted peace wherever they went. They were like the apostles who you know, say to this household, peace be with you. And if there is a man of peace, it will stay there with you. And the saints did that. They, they bolster others and give them the confidence that God is really there. There, that is, not just in the house itself, but in, among the people. Other people fill you with worry. They put you on edge. They complain about their problems. And maybe they complain about you. You should be like that. You should be like this. And, uh, and that, that can agitate you because you can start to believe it. Pedro Casiado, who was one of the first collaborators of, of uh, Saint Josemaria, um, I think he was from Valencia, he was studying architecture in the 1930s and he, he recounts the effect that it had on him the first time he met St. Josemaria. Now he was, he was a Catholic, of course, but he was not particularly practicing and he had no real interest in religion as such, much less talking with a priest. His father was somewhat anti-clerical and uh, his friend said, look, I want you to meet this friend of mine, his name is Josemaria. Escria, Father Josemaria, says, what, what, what do I want to talk to a priest for? What are you talking about? I don't want to talk with no priest. I mean, priests are priests are priests. I don't care. Like, you know? No, no, he's right here. He's in this room. What, you want me to talk to him? Well, I mean, he's, look, and before he knew it, he was in the room. And then St. Josemaria came up to him and greeted him with such warmth and such kindness. And, and, and he was just like, whew. he was just suddenly, um, he, he felt, he suddenly wanted to open his heart to him. He wanted to tell him about his whole life. He suddenly trusted him and felt just immensely at ease with him. And before he knew it, he said, Father, can you be my spiritual director? <laughs> you know, and uh, that's what you call putting somebody at peace. Can you be my spiritual director? And he didn't even know what spiritual direction was. And I'm convinced that this was not a kind of 
charism or charisma that St. Josemaria had. No doubt he had some kind of charisma, but I think it was the deep peace that was very attractive when people met him. There was something very supernatural at play here. And there's no reason why it can't be at play in us too. So that we, are, we have to be like the village fountain, right? People go to the village fountain or the village water pump and they go and fill their buckets and they go away from the fountain or the, bucket or the, or the pump with their buckets full or they clean their buckets there and they go to the pump and they pump and pump and good that they pump from us all day long it's okay because then people go away from us they go away clean refreshed I heard of a priest who the, the, the one thing he remembers from his childhood in, in the village was precisely the, the, the village fountain and how people would go to the village fountain and, and fill their buckets and the, the ladies would go and clean their things and, and, uh, and then sometimes you would go and the, the village fountain for whatever reason was not on. It, I don't know, it was turned off or, and, and there would just be dogs hanging around and nobody, nobody's, you know, who's going to go there, you know, it's just, just some lonely cat, you know, a sparrow, you know, fluttering around. It's not very attractive to go to a dry fountain with just dust and grime. That's, we can't be like that. And perhaps we, we are tempted to think that the apostles um, and the disciples that were sent out were like that because they were strong and they were virtuous and they were capable and invincible. They were like superheroes. But they're not. They were just normal guys. They were normal guys. But God gave them the gift of peace and he gave them the gift of unity and uh, they had their weaknesses they had their failings and probably at times they were pretty miserable and I'm sure none of them won prizes of agreeability always but uh, sometimes probably they, they had they got into their own little scuffles and arguments I can imagine Peter would easily get contradicted if he was uh, or, or rather that he got agitated if he was contradicted. And, um, but Jesus put something in their heart so that they would be able to come back from their failings. They were like rubber balls, they would just bounce back. And that's the first goal, right? That we be men and women of peace. And if we are men and women of peace, we will also be men and women of unity and we will be able to ask for this beautiful gift of unity we need unity in the church we need unity in the family we need unity in society we need unity in this very center where we are right here we need unity it doesn't mean everybody thinks the same it means that we pray for each other we support each other and we have that serenity that I'm sure was very characteristic of our Blessed Mother when people saw her, you know, I don't think, I mean, I don't know, they probably saw her not this idealized image that we say some, see sometimes of Our Lady, like Our Lady of Lourdes uh, carrying a rosary. I mean, I don't think Our Lady had a rosary, you know, I mean, the, yeah, the way she is now in heaven, okay, but, but there she was most likely with a water jug 
precisely a water jug to keep us refreshed. Let us ask her uh, to intercede for us so that we be examples of unity among us and peace for those who come in contact with us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.